Let's make this year your best real estate investing year ever by coming to the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. And the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference is where you can join hundreds of real estate investors and over 40 expert investor speakers and learn how to have an amazing success in your real estate investing business. The Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference is not like any other conference out there. This is a no sales pitch conference where the entire three days event is all about you and helping you to meet expert investors, teaching you how to invest and join a huge community of hundreds of like-minded real estate investors. And because you are a part of the Successfully Unemployed podcast, I'm giving you 20% off your RubeCon pass. That's right. Get 20% off of your RubeCon pass. Use the promo code SU20 or SU20. You need to be at the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. Join us in the heart of downtown St. Louis, March 14th through the 16th for a transformative three-day event that's more than just a conference. It's a community of investors. Get your pass. Go to RubeCon.com, R-E-W-B-C, com and use the promo code SU20 or SU20 to get 20% off of your Rubicon pass. Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show. My name is Dustin Heiner and I'm here to help you learn how to get financial independence, live the dream life, quit that J-O-B, that just over broke job, and become successfully unemployed by any means possible. Today, I'm talking to a New York firefighter who invests in apartment complexes, hundreds and 200 of units, and is becoming successfully unemployed by helping other people to invest with him in these amazing real estate deals. And he's going to show us how to do it as well. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show, the place where ordinary people become extraordinary by finding the path to financial freedom through entrepreneurship, side hustles, and passive income. We've already blazed the path, showing you how to retire early and have financial independence so you will never work for someone else again. And now, here's your host, Dustin Heiner. Hey, what's going on? Super blessed, as always, to have you here with me on the show. Now, there's a couple things I want to talk about. Number one, talk about gold prices, which we're going to go into in just a second, and also talk about something that's actually coming up next week. So when you hear this episode next week, we're actually starting the RubeCon 2023. It's so exciting. Like it's It's been a long time coming. Lots of work and planning. Lots of amazing investors, 45 friends of mine coming and sharing how to invest in real estate, literally a no sales pitch conference. But here's the fun thing. I actually have a friend of mine who literally is a public speaker for Tony Robbins. You know, Tony Robbins, the the really exciting guy. He's, I don't know, he's like eight foot tall and he's got a really deep voice and he's very energetic, not just energetic, but like he's motivational. And my friend, his name's Marlon Smith. He came last year and spoke at RubeCon last year. This year, he's even having a bigger role in RubeCon. So he's, for 25 plus years, he's been doing the motivational speaking for Tony Robbins in his youth events. And he's he's an amazing guy, investor as well, and he's helping me put on RubeCon to be more of a, just really a story from beginning to end, like all three days, of the conference, it's going to be telling a story of helping you to become an even better real estate investor. So I am super pumped. And I'll be completely honest, though, <laughs> actually, don't tell anybody this. But man, once RubeCon's over, I'm going to be so <laughs> relieved. There's just so much work, so much logistics and everything. And we're going to have pl- close to 400 people there. It's going to be such an amazing time. I am 
I'm looking forward to growing. Now, if you haven't got your ticket yet, you need to be here. Get 10% off the ticket. In fact, this is an annual conference. When you hear this, you know, in the future, it'll be 10% off. Use the promo code podcast. I will have that every single year. In fact, next year, I believe if we get the contract signed, we might be in St. Louis. It's going to be, I'm really pumped about St. Louis. It looks a lot of fun. I think it's going to be March of 2024, but use that promo code podcast. You need to be here. It's going to be amazing. Now, here is another crazy thing going on. Now, I have been a gold person. Like, I just like the idea of gold. You know, real estate investing, we're investing something tangible. You hold on to that real estate. It's physical. You know, crypto, I'm not saying it's bad at all. Some people like lambaste me or, you know, you really upset at me and say, oh, crypto is the best thing ever. It might be. But let's say, God forbid, all the electricity turns off and there's no electricity like in the world, which that's very, very unlikely. I get that. But let's say your city goes dark and you can't use your electricity. Well, then how are you going to buy anything? You're not going to be able to buy anything. Now, dollars, I definitely know and believe that the dollar is fiat currency. Fiat meaning it's backed by the government, the United States government saying, it's, this, is, this piece of paper here that you hold in your hand, we made it special, put all these ink and special things on it, but we guarantee that it's worth $10 or whatever the note is, $20 or whatever it might be. They're guaranteeing that they will pay that back it used to be that gold was our standard for all of our money for the longest time. But I think it was Nixon that actually took us off of the gold standard, which means our dollar used to be held and we actually had the gold in the government to back up that dollar. So if you could turn in that piece of, that piece of paper, that dollar for gold, you would be able to get that. But it was Nixon that literally took us off of the gold standard. And with that, the spot price, this is what I'm gonna get at. This is the big reason why I'm talking about gold. The spot price, which means what is the going rate for an ounce of gold was created right then and there because they knew, and here's, here's don't tell the elites this, they knew that inflation's gonna come. And so what they decided to do was create a spot price. This is the price that's all everybody's gonna be paying for. So if you go and look up what the spot price is now for gold, it is like $2,020, $2,050. It's literally at the all-time high ever in the history of the world, at least for the United States dollar. And so what they actually did with the dollar taking us off of the gold standard, they put the spot price in to control the value of the dollar versus the gold. So here's what I've seen. With over the years, tremendous amount of inflation, we'd know in the last, what, two, three years, we've seen inflation of like 10% every single year. I mean, it's just, it's getting, it's getting ridiculous. Well, the spot price or the actual price that you would have to spend or how much money you have to spend of dollars that you would have to spend for an ounce of gold. I've heard some people say, if you took the price of what it was back when Nixon took us off of the gold standard and then you applied actual inflation, what the government said the inflation rate was, gold should be at least $15,000 or more if you adjust it for inflation. But the market, the spot price, the way that the dollar amount is for the market, it's actually, they say it's manipulated, which it kind of seems at because it's still only at $2,000. But here's an amazing thing. Even though it's at $2,000 and it should, people are saying it should be like 15 to maybe $20,000. Well, with that inflation, it might be there, but even with the price of gold being manipulated, if, if it is being manipulated, it kind of seems like it might be, but it's at the highest 
even if it's being manipulated, it's still at the highest of 2050, 2000, almost $100 an ounce. That's showing us that inflation is taking off. It's showing us that our economy is getting worse. When gold goes up, that means our economy goes down. At least that's what I believe. I could be completely wrong. Let's say economists might say, oh, Dustin, he doesn't know what he's talking about because I'm an economist. I have this award or this PhD or whatever it might be. I don't care. I just see my dollar is going so much less than it used to three years ago, five, ten years ago. When I first got married, well, praise the Lord, we're going on 17 years. Uh, don't tell my wife I forgot. Is it 16 or 17 years? No, it's going to be 17 years. Oh my goodness. 17 years of being married. Praise the Lord. Man, when we first got started getting, and when we got married, I remember prices of things and I was thinking, oh my goodness, how am I going to make ends meet? And, you know, I have to work at this job. My wife, I'm trying to have her stay home and, you know, take care of the kids. It was so hard. I cannot imagine people doing it nowadays. Oh my goodness. Well, in the end, what we need to do is, my opinion, save get out of debt, don't get into debt. And I am super excited that we are entering the best time ever to invest in real estate. That's why I've been bringing on real estate investors to share with you that there are so many ways to invest in real estate. And I have the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference that you need to come to use that promo code podcast. Now let's jump into today's show where I interviewed Timothy Lyons showing us how to invest in apartment complexes. All right, let's do this. And today I'm super excited to bring on a friend of mine, I've been on his podcast, fantastic podcast as well. Met him at the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference that I put on, and he's a fantastic investor. I have Timothy Lyons on with me. Tim, Timothy, do I, is it okay if I call you Tim or is it Timothy? Well, you know what, Dustin? My parents used to call me Timothy when I got in trouble, so why don't we go with Tim <laughs> today? There we go. And you know what's funny? Like I'll occasionally introduce myself as Dusty because that's what I grew up my entire life, and I got called Dustin by my parents when I got in trouble. So I always, I didn't want that. So I've always gone by Dusty. But as I got older, I realized, let me make it a little more professional, especially when I had businesses and stuff. But oh, yeah. Tim, it's great to have you on. Now, tell me, how do you make money and provide for yourself and your family so that you can make sure that you have you know financial freedom in your life? Well, Dustin, I uh, have gotten into the world of real estate. You know, I started with a three-family property, and I needed that proof of concept, right? I needed to, um, you know, I was working two jobs. As you know, I'm a lieutenant in the New York City Fire Department, and I do that by choice these days. Um, but it wasn't always that way. And before I got into real estate, I was also working a side hustle, um, 12 hour shifts in a level one trauma center as an ER nurse. Um, and when I was doing 90 hours a week, uh, I really realized that I needed something different. That's when I really had to lean into the pain point, got into real estate, got educated. So I started off with a three family. I then had to prove a concept, right? The cash flow came in and I was addicted, right? So I had, to, I said to myself, you know, self, how do I, how do I, uh, you know, duplicate this process and increase the cash flow? So, uh, Dustin, long story short, got into commercial real estate and now I blew up in a 403B that I had with the hospital. I refinanced my own house. I have been a diligent saver my entire life and everything, my, almost my entire net worth is now involved in real estate. So to the point where I was able to, you know, retire. I like to joke around. I retired from the hospital about three and a half years ago, and I'm able to, you know, be home, work from home and run my real estate business, you know, as I see fit. 
That's great, because I love the idea of being successfully unemployed, but not everybody wants to necessarily be unemployed. They want, to, but here's the thing, it's not unemployed, it's getting what you want, having freedom to do whatever you want. Now, I love serving in my church. I will literally serve all day, every day. I don't need to be paid. I don't want to be paid, let alone or even need to be paid. And I'd rather just serve, but I have the freedom to do that. I would literally work 40 plus hours a week at my church because that's what I'd love to do, but I don't need to be paid. That's I can right. choose to do whatever it is. Now, you didn't start that way. Obviously, I, I love that you're working in the fire department now, you're lieutenant there, which is terrific because you choose to do that as well. And but you, you know, you didn't start as an investor. Now I you already gave us a little bit of overview, but like in before you you know, became a lieutenant, before you started investing, you were doing other things that that eventually got you to really say, man, I can't keep doing this. What Talk to us a little bit about your background so we can learn from that so we can then jump into investing like you. You know what, uh, Dustin, I, I, I probably like not so unlike so many of your listeners, I grew up in a, in a scarcity household, right? Um, you know, money was always a thing. It was a topic that we really didn't talk about. But when we did talk about it, it was a problem, right? That we were trying to, you know, work around. Um, but, you know, I saw my parents work really hard, right? And that instilled a, a work ethic inside of me and my brothers. And, you know, it was almost expected to do the quote unquote normal thing to go to school, get good grades, be nice to everybody, right? Go to college, get that college degree, because you know what? You make a little bit more money than people without a college degree. And, you know, um, I also being from, you know, the New York City area, um, you know, pensions were a big thing, right? So like everybody was always like, yeah, I'm going to be a teacher or I'm going to be a firefighter or a police officer or, you know, you got to take that sanitation test because the garbage men make a good, you know, living and they get a good pension, right? So um, that's what I did. I took all the exams. I mean, but I really wanted to be a firefighter um, since I was a little boy. Um, and so that's what I did. I went to college. And when I was in college, 9-11 happened and uh, um, knew a lot of people that either were either killed or hurt uh, or second and third, third order effects of that, uh, including my uncle, who was a captain at the time, um, who's still alive to this day, but he was buried under the World Trade Center. And I think at that point, I said to myself, I don't care what else happens. I'm going to be a New York City firefighter. Um, and at the time, I was pre-med. I wanted to be a trauma surgeon. And I decided back in 2001 that I was going to be a firefighter. So um, really expensive college degree to be a firefighter, but that's what I did. Um, and you know, uh, when I got to the firehouse, everybody had a second job, like everybody, and they were carpenters and HVAC people. And, uh, you name it, there's somebody out there in the New York city fire department. There's 11,000 of us, um, with some great side jobs. And a couple of guys were nurses and I just decided to be a nurse. You know, I had to, I was pre-med back in the day. I was an EMT and I said, let me go be a nurse. Dustin, between working 24 hour shifts, uh, twice a week, uh, at the firehouse and then working, you know, two, sometimes three, 12 hour shifts uh, at the hospital. You know, it wasn't a big deal when my kid, my first kid, my first, I have three girls, three little girls, 12, nine, and three, when they were little, because they didn't ask any questions. But when they started to get bigger and they started to cry and be like, Daddy, where are you going? You're never home. You just got home from the firehouse. Now you're leaving again before the sun comes up. And we're not going to see you till tomorrow night. And it started to wear on me, it started to wear on my wife, it started to wear on my kids, and it was palpable. And I was feeling it, right? And I'm a worker bee, so like I didn't mind going to work, but then I really started to have that pain point of, I gotta figure something else out. And what I came down to, Dustin, through, you know, prayer, podcast, books, you know, thinking was, I have to have something with equity 
And the two things I came up with was a business or real estate. So I'll throw it back to you, but that's my background um, on how I got, you know, into the current channel that I'm in now. That's that's terrific. And like you said, not unlike lots and lots of people. And we start, uh, people like us. In fact, I think working a job is a great occupation or a thing for majority of the population, but not us, not you and I, and, and obviously the listeners that are listening to this, they're starting to realize that there's something else out there. There's more to life than what we've been literally told by everybody from the beginning when we you know, started, we were born and we started learning and we went to school and taught eventually work our, our entire life. Go to college, getting thousands of dollars in debt, go and get a career, work 40 plus years, eventually retire at 65, 70 years old and live on what you manage to save that entire time working that debt at J-O-B. Now, I'm not saying that's not right. It's actually good for lots and lots of people. But the other 25% of the population, like 75%, perfect. Keep doing that. In fact, I hire people that love doing that. I give them great jobs. I give them good pay. And we have a good time because it's a reciprocal relationship. But the other 25% Mm -hmm. like us, there's other ways to do it. That's why I love being able to interview great people like you because in finding different ways, not everybody is going to be a, let's say, a business owner or a tech entrepreneur or whatever. There's, But there's so many ways. But they're, in being able to broaden the perspective of so many different things out there, it hopefully will help people realize, I can actually do that. In fact, one lady, she was listening to an episode. Hopefully, she still listens to this, but it was like about two years ago. She listened to me interview my friend who does children or writes children's books, authors children's books. And the lady that was listening had no clue that she wanted to do children's books, listened to the episode, got inspired, then reached out to my my friend, my interviewee, and started working with her. She started coaching her and everything. Mm-hmm. And with that, she's now a children's book author. So all that to say, it's broadening people's minds that there are so many other things out there. Now, Tim, when we first get started and looking at real estate investing, it seems really, really hard to jump right to multifamily. It seems like it's so much easier to go to residential, let's say three units or four units and below. What would you say if you were to do it all over again or give us, give me advice like, hey, if you're going to get started, jump right to multifamily. Or if you're going to get started, start here, work your way in like you did. That is a great question. And it's something I talk to to investors about literally every day. And it really comes down to this. Do you want to be active or do you want to be passive? And you know, do you want to be 100% passive or do you want to be 50-50? Do you want to be 100% active? Like, What is it that you really truly desire? Is it the cash flow so you can leave your job? Is it the stability of principle? Is it you know something else because you hate your nine to five? Like, you know, there's so many things to go, but if you really truly want to build that passive income stream, you know, I would say, look, there is, there's great ways to scale in real estate, in the one to four unit space, in commercial, in multifamily, uh, like I, I'm heavy into, um, but I got to be honest with you. I started off with a three family because it made sense. I already bought and sold two homes that I lived in. I knew how to get to financing. I didn't know how to be a landlord. I didn't understand the tax strategy. I didn't understand what I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know, but I knew enough to get started. And I think that's the hurdle right there. 90% of the problem is getting started, getting into action. You know, real estate to me was, you know, especially growing up in the New York City area was it's too expensive. I can't, I can't cash flow. I can't do this. I can't do that. Well, guess what? I had to get out of my comfort zone and get out of New York City and go to another um, you know, uh, MSA and start there. But, you know, it's really 
if you once you're clear on your goals and if it's cash flow and you have the time and the energy to really get educated, I mean, to me, multifamily is where it's at. And the reason I didn't start there, Dustin, was because it was confusing. And I want to pause for a quick second and share that honestly, I really want you to invest in real estate. My new goal in my life, my first goal was to quit my job in 10 years. And I did that, accomplished that at 37. Now my new goal is to help 1 million people invest in real estate. So two things I would ask from you. Number one, if you get anything out of this episode, please share it with somebody else. Just say, hey, you know, check out Dustin and Master Passive Income. He really wants to help a million people to invest in real estate. That's number one. Number two, I want to get you to invest in real estate. Get my real estate investing course absolutely for free. Text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L, to 33777. Rental to 33777. I'll literally give you my course, show you how to find an area of the country to invest, how to build the business first. You know, I always talk about that and how to find the right properties, how to make sure you're getting experts to do the work for you and scale the business to where you're making $250 or more in passive income, scale it up to quit your job. I'll literally get to you or go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. Obviously, it'll be in the description, but I really, really want you to invest in real estate because the more that actual normal everyday people own real estate that are good landlords, the better everybody's life gets. It was spreadsheets, terms I never heard of, right? Net operating income, um, profit and loss statements, rent rolls, T12s, T3s, cap rates, you know, commercial uh, lending is so much different, really. I mean, it's kind of similar, but it's kind of different from the one to four unit space. And to me, I had limiting beliefs about even getting started. And I'm like, I'm not a Wall Street guy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a firefighter ER nurse. You know, I had an identity kind of crisis. So I said, let me just start with what I know. And that was the best move that was for me to get me to where I am today. I think it's terrific advice. And I would add, you're, you're saying this, explaining it as well, not just with what you know, but it's also your risk tolerance, your goals, the vision of what you want to do as well. Because let's say like my risk tolerance is, I'm like thinking, man, a 50 or a hundred unit apartment complex, that seems like I could lose money really fast because I don't know, you know, meaning like when I first got started, I, I was going to, I wanted to play, um, um, uh, what is it? Uh, Monopoly, you know, start mm -hmm. with land in a sense, but like start small and then grow up to where you get into hotels and multifamily, which is great. But everybody's risk tolerances are different. Everybody's goals are different and visions are different financially, you know, where they are to start out. But I love the what you're saying is start in general, like get going, because if you see that this is potentially something like if we can make it as passive as possible, like for me with uh, investing in four units and below. It's so passive. I literally don't even think about my properties, which I'm blessed. Same thing with my syndications that I invest in. I literally don't even think about those because they just make me money, which I love that. Now, let's say we wanted to jump. Let's Instead of doing syndications, and with syndication, if anybody doesn't know what that means, a syndication is you have an apartment complex or a big real estate deal, and you syndicate or you give that deal opportunity out to other people, and they bring money in to get a big down payment or be able to buy the property. And then you buy the property all together and they share a portion of the profits. That's syndication. But let's say we don't have that um, desire. We want to start, hey, I think, you know, getting a one, like a single family home or getting a triplex. In fact, I have a lot of people that do, they want to do house hacking where they buy a house that's two units, maybe three units, live in one and rent out the others. Those are great. So tell me about you getting started working, like living in New York and being able to and wanting to do this. Um, how would we get started in, let's say, the smaller, let's say four units and below? What would be the first steps that we should take in doing that? 
Awesome. Yeah. And this is like, you know, I, I, it's a five-step process. Um, and it's pretty much in like every one-on-one book that you'll ever, you know, come across about real estate investing. And it's, you know, kind of what we talked about already. It's, you know, finding out, you know, your why, like, what is, what is the reason why real estate is going to solve a problem for you? Right. And then it's kind of setting goals. Um, well, I want the cash flow. I want appreciation. I want to walk away from my job in five years, whatever it might be. Number three is building out a team. Right. And this is this is my five. Might be not be Dustin's five. This is my five. Number three is building out a team, right? You know, who is going to support you in your journey? Because let's be honest, you know, we're all built with limiting beliefs. We all have these, you know, feelings of insecurity when we're doing something for the first time, right? I mean, raise your hand if you're not in that boat, because I I certainly was, and I still am to a certain extent, right? Uh, so, you know, in your team, you need a you know, maybe a, a lender, an attorney, uh, uh, an accountant that knows about real estate, right? Love my accountants out there. A lot of them are generalists. And a lot of them don't understand the intricacies of real estate. And I always make a joke. It's like going to see a neurosurgeon after you broke your ankle. You know, are they are they both doctors? 100%, right? But one is not equipped to do what the other one can do, you know, in, in a better way. Number four is really finding the asset class that's going to support you. You know, is it single family, one to four units? Is it commercial? Is it, you know, flipping land? I don't know. There's a billion ways to make money in real estate. Number five, I would argue, is the the property in the market, right? Um, so like those are the five steps that I, in my mind, that's the, the menu that I kind of follow for a brand new investor when they say, Tim, where, where do I start? Um, so Dustin, let me throw you a bounce pass and we can unpack some of that if you want. With the five steps, which is terrific, you definitely like it's not a solo thing. I, in fact, I don't suggest. In fact, whenever I started investing in 2006, I was by myself. The only thing we had were those quote unquote gurus that you see on TV and get those infomercials and stuff, which I sadly followed and uh, didn't work out well. Anyways, now we have so many other people around us that we can get together and help each other out, like where we met at. RubeCon, the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference, getting together. There's so many other people that are like-minded, that are helpful, that we're just all trying to do this in general. And it makes it so much better when we help each other out. So building all that out. Now, I personally 100% agree. And I love the idea. If I'm going to invest in anything, it's not that I'm an investor. It's that I'm a business owner. And being a business owner, I own inventory. It could be a multifamily. It could be a single family home, whatever it might be. But my businesses own these investments. So I don't get bought in like, oh man, look at the colors of the curtains and look how beautiful this is. I don't care. I want to make it a good property so my tenants, but it's inventory for me. Same thing like if you're investing in passive income, your syndication, it's part of our inventory that we're able to have and that helpfully makes us money. Now, when you make a business, you're also not going to lose money in any business. Let's say you're selling candy bars. You don't want to sell it for less than you bought it for. You're losing money. Why would you do that? You want to make sure you're mm-hmm. making money every single month. So I absolutely love how those those five things that now quickly run through them because you explained it, but give us the five things all over again. All right. It's getting clear on your why. It's establishing your goals, right? Number three is building out a team. And I talked about uh, accountants, attorneys, lenders, uh, realtors, but really property management company, right? Because we want to do this passively. Uh, so I forgot to add that the first time. Number four is the asset class, right? Are you going to do one to four units, right? A single family, a duplex, triplex, quad, right? Or you could do something different. And number five would be the market and um, in the individual deal that you're, that you're assessing. I 100% agree. And and in those order too, I really, really love the order. And everybody, like if you're definitely take those notes down, because you have to think those through even like your why, 
my why was I could be with my family more. I had more time in my life to do whatever I wanted. That was the main why. Plus, I also didn't like being told to do it. Even though I was a great employee, it was like, oh, my boss is telling me to do it this way when it's horrible. I should do it this way. But he's the boss. I got to do it. Anyways, so <laughs> there's a couple of things. But it was really I wanted more time with my family. And hopefully everybody starts realizing that the time that we spend on anything is more expensive than literally anything. In fact, it's the only commodity we spend but never get back. Okay, so let's say we have those five things. We've worked through those. We got the vision. We have like the, the start building the team and all that sort of stuff. Like we start getting people around us and we do all go through all those five things. Let's say we want to get our first property. Do you, does your mind immediately go to how do we finance or is it how do we find or is it how do we manage? Where do we go first from there? We're like we got most of those things in order, at least maybe some less or a little less than others, like, you know, exact market, exact team and all that sort of stuff. But we're going that direction. What do we do once we have those five things getting really sorted out? So if I'm if I'm clear on my goals, I'm clear on my why. And I would next start out by building a team, right? Because um, I'm not going to invest pretty, I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that I'll probably never invest in the, in the New York tri-state area ever again, uh, because of a lot of reasons, but we'll just leave it at that. But, you know, so like, I'm going to look at some of the markets like in the Southeast or the Sun Belt or, you know, maybe in the Midwest. And I'm going to say to myself, man, like, I don't know anything about that. I don't know if Main Street is better than, you know, Avenue D or, you know, um, what side of the street or what side of the tracks. And like, this is where you got to have the boots on the ground, the, the local market and because real estate is hyper hyper local you know you want to you know buy a place that's going to cash flow but you might but you don't want to buy a place that's going to cash flow if it's in you know the undesirable part of the neighborhood and, and uh there's blight and everything else right so it's building a team who's going to manage a property you know who will lend in that area you know what kind of terms can I get? Uh, are the community banks better or should I go for a big national, you know, rocket dollar type thing? Um, you know, talking to an attorney, hey, should I, you know, uh, do this in my own name or should I do it through an LLC, right? These are all topics that I struggled with in the beginning, you know, because you go on bigger pockets or other type of forums and you can get a hundred thousand answers for the same question. But like, how do you know what's right for you? And then talking to my accountant, hey, listen, this is what I'm looking to do. I have X amount of money. I'm looking to deploy it in real estate. What's the best entity how should i set it up you know and then now you're you're going into this you're building momentum you have a team right you're building a tribe that you're going to do this with and that gives you some of the confidence needed to go you know to go the distance everybody listening i want you to probably go back like maybe pull over go back and listen to literally he gave you such an amazing blueprint write those down so you can go through those because those are such actionable items and inside each one of those actionable items that he gave you there's so many little nuggets and things that you need to do as well as all the information so love it love it now let's say or what would you say is the hardest part for most people wanting to invest is it finding the properties is it managing the properties is it funding and financing the properties and how would we get over that hurdle so yeah this is the big topic right and i think it's um you know it's really like you know for, for me okay so i'll tell you for me for me it was letting go of the process like i wanted to be the guy to 
paint the walls. I wanted to be the guy to walk the property. I wanted to be the guy to go to Home Depot and pick out the carpet, right? Like I didn't want to cede control to anybody because this was a lot of money. This was a big, you know, change in my life, right? And you have to imagine me, I was a firefighter, ER nurse, a dad of three, you know, married, and this property was like an hour away from my house, right? So I basically bought myself a third full-time job. And, um, you know, and it was letting go of the control to like, you know, to me, I was like, well, I'm not going to pay a property manager. Why would I give him 8% of my gross uh, potential rent, like or 10% or whatever it might be? You know, because I I had this like scarcity mindset, but I wasn't seeing the forest for the trees. I wasn't seeing the big picture of, man, this is an asset that's going to grow in value. It's going to spit off cash flow. I'm going to be able to, you know, little by little, right? It's not going to be life-changing money overnight in the, in, on day one, but little by little, if I can have somebody else take care of the issues and just give me a nice clean report at the end of the month or give me a phone call and say, hey, Tim, I need, uh, you know, you only have a uh, $300 limit for a budget, you know, but we need to buy something that's 350 can we do it yeah no problem right go make it happen um so that was really the the letting go of the control i think is huge in the beginning if you can follow dustin read his book right and he talks about all of this about having that property manager and making it as passive as possible or treating it as a business i think that is a huge mindset shift to go into this whole journey with and you're 100 100% right because like I said in the beginning, 75% of population should definitely be employees. They're great at it and they're, they're, they like it. 25% of us are more entrepreneur, more like thinking outside of the box. But with that comes a negative or a downside is we we could definitely do just about everything. Like we have that mindset, I could do it, I could do it, which is good. We need that mindset. Like I could figure this out. There's a problem. Let me answer that problem. We're, we're problem solvers. But with that, then the way to grow is to let go of that and hire or get other good people that can take it over. As soon as I realized that in my business, it grew dramatically because I only have 24 hours of the day and I have a family. And as soon as I realized now I can let go and have other people do it, it's, and here's the thing. Also entrepreneurs, we think nobody could do it as well as I can. That's absolutely not true. In fact, like even just interviewing on this podcast, more than likely there's somebody that's going to be much better than me. And then I could maybe bring somebody on and have them take care of it for me. So then I could then run more businesses or, you know, create other things or grow the business, whatever it might be. But more than likely, there's always going to be somebody that can replace you and do it better. You could hire them so you can do other things to build the business. Okay. So how do we make sure we're making cash flow on the property? Now, I'm not saying like go into this, like literally walk us through numbers, not saying necessary that, but how do we make sure that we're going to be making money every single month as a business should instead of losing money every month? You know, it all comes down to underwriting. It all comes down to uh, buying something at a discount. Uh, you, 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 and that sounds like very cliche a little bit. But, you know, once you have a little bit of a framework and a little bit of education on your, you know, what kind of income's coming in, what are your expenses, you know, and what's left over, um, you know, after you have reserves and, and all, all that good stuff. I mean, it, it really becomes easy. Right. And the hardest one is the first one. But once you get the first one, it, it, uh, you know, if you get locked into the process, you get your education, you learn how to just uh, approach these properties. Right. Because so many people will just go, 
you know what, Dustin, I want to be a real estate investor. I'm going to go hop on Zillow. I'm going to go on Redfin. I'm going to buy something, you know, retail. And then they're like, man, that doesn't really cash flow. You know, that's not hitting the 1% rule I read about on bigger pockets. Like, you know, and well, no, you know, like, you know, go find the realtor in that market that knows about rental real estate. Because I have to be honest, you can't just choose your friend or your neighbor that's a, a realtor um, uh, most of the time because realtors are in the business of selling properties, right? For the for the highest amount of money. Realtors that understand rental real estate and what the landlord is looking for, they are invaluable, right? So um, so it's really kind of finding those properties, Dustin, that you can that support the, you know, the income in of the area that so you, you can get the rent that you kind of need. Um, and because, you know, listen, everybody has their mark on how many, how much cash flow they need. But if you can start, you know, diagramming in your in your mind that I need two hundred dollars a door or two fifty a door or one fifty a door, I mean, whatever it might be in your area, um, now you have a lens to to look through look at that underwriting and say, look, this deal makes Makes sense. I can, you know, bring the rent in. I can have a comfortable reserve. I can pay all my bills, and I can still have two hundred and fifty dollars uh, at the end of the, at the end of the month. So when everybody hears the word underwriting, what Tim is saying is we want to make sure that we're calculating the numbers, like we're adding up all our expenses, mm -hmm. every single one that we could think of. And obviously, you need to learn exactly, especially multifamily is a lot more expensive than just a single family home. But you're calculating all those expenses. And you're making sure that you could rent it for more. And my suggestion, I always tell my students, $250 a month in passive income for you know single-family homes. And so if we calculate our expenses and we add on top of that $250 a month, if we could rent it for that or more, meaning the, the total or more, then that might be a great property. So I love it. Now, let's switch gears a little bit with the multifamily. Because one thing I'm not a huge fan about multifamily, or sorry, not multifamily, syndications is the exiting in three to five years. I love buying and holding. So with that, that's kind of one low light for me, meaning like uh, that, that's one negative. We don't get to hold on to it unless you do something creative. Like let's say you're the main guy on it or the GP, like you're the main guy, but you GP general partner, but then you refinance and then pay off your investors because they get their money back. That's what they want. And then you hold it because you have a long-term note on it or longer-term note and you have most of it. But anyways, that was one little thing for me, but that's the way to get around it. What are the highlights and lowlights of being a syndicator of you know investing in multifamily? So, you know, when you're, when like, so when I got started, I didn't know what syndication was. I was like, man, I, three and a half years ago, I had zero idea what syndication was. And now we've done a lot of them, right? So, um, you know, there's, there's ability to scale, right? So people who love being a physician, they love being an engineer, they love what they're doing, no matter what it is, they love being a teacher. Um, but they have some capital to put to work and they just don't have the time or the knowledge or the willpower to understand, you know, how to maybe do this. And they just kind of want to set it and forget it. Syndications are a great way to go, right? Because, you know, you get the cash flow, you get the stability of principle, you can you get the potential appreciation um, at the end, right? And you get this neat little report every month that says, hey, here's what we're doing. We did X amount of renovations. Here are the before pictures. Here are the after. Here's your distribution for the, the month or the quarter. And, you know, you also get, you know, a pro rata uh, interest in the, in the tax. So once you understand that you can get cash flow and tax benefits as an limited partner or an LP, you know, you can say our right, syndications might be for me, but here's where it's so powerful, right? Commercial real estate is different from one to four unit 
real estate because one to four unit real estate is based upon comparable sales, right? So whatever the neighbor's house sells for or a mile away, mile and a half, whatever the parameters might be, that's kind of the general picture of what that property may sell for. In commercial real estate, it's all about the net operating income, right? And this is where like I just my wheels fell off the, the minute I first heard this because I'm like, I'm not a Wall Street guy, I'm not an Excel spreadsheet guy. I now am, but the you know, the net the the net operating income is just your it's your income minus your expenses, right? That's your net operating income. And when you can grow that number, okay, it it trades the value of the property trades on a multiple of that net operating income. So I know that sounds probably kind of complicated, but when you understand that it, when you can raise rents, if you buy a property, you know, you know, to uh, say a hundred unit property and 50 of the units are, are, you know, 300 or more dollars, you know, um, you know, under leased, right? So maybe it's 1300 is the market rent today, but a lot of the units are at a thousand a month. That's an incredible amount of value that you can capture upon a lease renewal. And that's what's so powerful about real estate. It's it's not a 10-year contract, right? It's a one-year renewal uh, a lot of the times. Um, and then what else could you do, right? Could you put a dog park in? Could you put a new weight room in? Could you add you know, laundry facilities, other value plays so that people will pay a higher premium right, for a clean, safe, affordable place to live with these amenities? And that's how you grow your net operating income. And that net operating income trades on a multiple when you go to either refinance or sell it. And I know that was probably a lot, Dustin. I tried to do my best. How did I do? You did very well. The only one tiny thing I would, to, to make, bring it all together to make it as simple as possible is saying with a single family home, it's the comparable homes that you're, that they're telling your values home, you're worth three bedroom, two bath and this size all these other ones were selling for this. So it's probably this, just like a car, that same car, it's probably the same price and it's the same value. What you're doing, what you're talking about is different. It means how much does a business make in revenue? How much money does it make in a business? Not just total sales, but like how much money goes into the owner's pocket? Then you multiply that out and that's how you figure out what the value is because businesses are valued on how much money they make. It doesn't matter what, because there's no other businesses that are very, the exact same that you can compare it to. So it's viewed on how much they make, which is terrific because if you make that multifamily property, that apartment complex, if, if let's say it was making, let's say $50,000 a year, you increase it to where it make it's $100,000 a year in, in total profit, then it's worth double what you probably bought it for. So that's, that's the only little caveat I would say is it's a business. You make it make more money, then it's worth more money. So what are the like the lowlights? Like what what are some uh some things like oh man, I wish I would have known this before or this problem happened and but help us out like to maybe jump over hurdles that you had to crawl you know uh, crawl through or break through. So some of the drawbacks for syndications um is that you don't have any real control, right? Like you, the hardest part of your day is in the beginning, you know, understanding who the operating team is, what's their track record, right? Do you like the market? Do you like the asset class? Do you like the deal? Do you like the debt on the deal? You know, and you can do all that by watching the webinar. Usually there's a webinar that's about an hour or so, 45 minutes, an hour. Uh, there's a 30 or 40 page investment summary that you can see all the details about the deal. 
And then if any, you know, operator is worth their weight uh, in gold, they'll, they'll invite you to hop on a call with them and say, Hey, you know, let's, let's talk, like, let's, let's hop on a call and go through all the questions. Uh, because after you, you know, sign the subscription documents and the PPMs, right. And you wire the money over now, well, now you're in the deal, you're a vested owner of that deal, but you're in a limited capacity. You're a limited partner, which means that you don't have any decision-making, um, you know, qualities in that deal. Like when do we refinance or when do we exit or, you know, what color goes on the wall um, or color, you know, what type of, you know, we doing quartz or granite or formica, you know, like, you know, you're just kind of sitting back as a, in, in a passive role. That's one drawback that people uh, talk about. Um, the other one that I always talk about is illiquidity, right? Um, so this is not a liquid investment. So people, I think today are very used to going on their phones and their apps and being able to check their balance and, you know, oh my gosh, I want to sell everything today. And, you know, um, this is not, that right so this is for people who are you know willing to invest say 25 or 50 or a hundred thousand dollars and they may not need that money back um for say three to five three to six years um but they're comfortable with the with the process um so that's that's a drawback um you know and finally you know sometimes like you were saying dustin like you know people tend to make a lot of money in real estate when they buy and hold for a, a long time right and you alluded to sometimes these deals have a life cycle and they trade every three to five, three to seven years, something like that. Um, so, you know, it's really nice to hold something for a long time, refinance all your original capital out and have no skin in the game and still continue to get paid. Um, the problem is, you know, the market uh, is such that that's just, you know, not not a total reality at the moment. Um, so these deals tend to trade, you know, maybe every three or five years. And now you got to do the process all over again. Um, so a lot of times, you know, operators will try to, offer an opportunity for you to do a tax uh, deferred exchange called the 1031 exchange. So if you put say $50,000 into the deal, five years later, let's just call it you doubled your money. Now you have a hundred, instead of paying 50,000 uh, uh, capital gains taxes on that 50, they might offer you an opportunity to say, hey, look, we're selling this 100 unit complex. We have 120 unit down the street that we're going to buy. Do you want to stay with us and just roll that whole entire thing into the next deal? Or do you want to cash out? So, you know, these are the things that, you know, you have to just be comfortable with illiquidity, you know, not having the decision-making capability uh, and stuff like that. I would, even though those are, uh, I say drawbacks, they're not as bad as lots of other things. Like it, it's, as you went through them, I'm right through my brain. I'm like, yeah, you know, if you have the extra money for, you know, doing in the syndications and being passive investing, they're not that bad of drawbacks. In fact, I find if you're doing it right, investing in real estate, single family homes, four units, multifamily, if you're doing it right, there's very, very little drawbacks because there's definitely a way to do it right, but there's lots of ways to do it wrong. So if you find good people, you know, start listening to Tim's podcast. I was on his podcast as well. Start listening to his podcast on how to do this sort of stuff and really start um, analyzing and start looking into it. I would personally suggest, like I, I've said this many times, but uh, bigger pockets is good, but at the same time, there's so many voices. You mentioned that there's so many voices in there. In fact, I, so it was a number of years ago, I went on there just to help people out. Because I was like, you know what, let me go help in the forums and I'll answer the questions that people have. And I'll say, hey, this worked for me and my business, X, Y, and Z. And then literally like 20 minutes later, somebody would come on right after me and say, don't listen to that guy. He's an absolute idiot. Listen to me. This is the right way to go. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, is this this community? I don't want to be a part of that. Anyways, that was just my experience. Hopefully it's much better than that now. But it was just so rough. I was like, okay, I'm done with you guys. I'm going to go do my own thing. So awesome. with that, yeah. You, you, so you know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, like, listen, like I got, a, I got a ton of value from their podcast. I mean, because that's where I kind of started. Uh, then I got into their community and, and I kind of saw the same thing happening and um, you know, you don't exactly know who to trust. Right. And that's really where my business came from was uh, I didn't know who to trust in the beginning. Right. Uh, so that's, you know, I'm sure that, you know, with your coaching, you know, now, you, you know, I, I wanted to be the guy that people can call and be like, listen, what do I do? And if I can't, if I can't support you or you don't want to do multifamily with me, well, guess what? I'm going to call Dustin and say, Dustin, meet my friend, Bob, Bob wants to do, you know, uh, duplexes in Arizona. Could you help him out? You know, and that's really where I think bigger pockets was good for me was networking with folks like yourself and stuff like that. 100% is if you're going to find people that are takers and you're going to find people that are givers in your life, just in general. And as soon as you start realizing how to find the givers and be with them, and the only way that you're going to find givers is if you become a giver yourself. You know, takers, like I personally, I, a lot of takers come around me and I just kind of shy away from them. I'm like, okay, I'll be over there and I just move on. But the givers, I'm like, yes, come in. Like, let's help each other out. And that's how you get, that's how you get the most out of conferences, networking. If you go to RIAs or whatever it might be, is how can I give? And then you get so much more in return. Man, Tim, you gave us so much great insights. And I definitely want people to check you out, watch or listen to your podcast and everything. How can people find you online? How can they listen to your podcast and reach out to you, hopefully? Yeah, so our, our website, our company is called Cityside Capital, and you can find us at citysidecap.com. Um, I also have a podcast with my uh, older brother, Greg, and it's called the Passive Income Brothers Podcast. Uh, definitely check out Dustin's uh, episode there because he killed it, and it's also one of our uh, more highly rated shows. Um, and, um, you know, I'm on social. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I'm still learning to do more social, Dustin, uh, as, as we go, you know, but um, uh, yeah, so you those are all the ways. That's terrific. And Tim, hopefully people will reach out to you and um, invest with you as well. Like if you're listening to this and you have the ability and you, you're like, they say a doctor, you have extra money and you know, you want to invest in real estate. You want to put it with right people. I think Tim's a great guy. He knows his business. And so definitely reach out to him, but man, Tim, it's great seeing you again and look forward to seeing you at RubeCon this year, man. Yes, sir. Sounds good. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And that is it for today. Go ahead and get my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. You can also join my real estate wealth builders group coaching, get all my courses. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next show. See ya. Let's make this year your best real estate investing year ever by coming to the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. And the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference is where you can join hundreds of real estate investors and over 40 expert investor speakers and learn how to have an amazing success in your real estate investing business. The Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference is not like any other conference out there. This is a no sales pitch conference where the entire three days event is all about you and helping you to meet expert investors, teaching you how to invest and join a huge community of hundreds of like-minded real estate investors. And because you are a part of the Successfully Unemployed podcast, I'm giving you 20% off your RubeCon pass. That's right. Get 20% off of your RubeCon pass. Use the promo code SU20 or SU20. You need to be at the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. Join us in the heart of downtown St. Louis, March 14th through the 16th for a transformative three-day event that's more than just a conference. It's a community of investors. Get your pass. Go to RubeCon.com, R-E-W-B-C, 
S-U-T-O-N.com and use the promo code SU20 or SU20 to get 20% off of your Rubicon Pass.